Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of Sir Marilyn Horror Fan. I'm Simon. I'm Lee. And this is episode 147. Ooh. Um, it is our technically our third episode for the month of October. Thank you, everyone, who helped us kick off Spooky Season in a glorious way by checking out our Creature from the Black Lagoon episode that we put out last week and our top five uh, modern horror directors episodes that we put out on Friday. Uh, thank you for checking those out. We greatly appreciate it. Um, today, we are looking at another universal ho horror movie, monster movie, horror movie. Uh, we are looking at The Invisible Man from 1933. But before we get there, we have had quite the horror-filled week. Yeah. We've taken a lot of spooky content this week. Um, I went to go and see Sorks, Sorks. at the cinema, mm. uh, which I quite liked. I did not. I, I enjoyed a bit of Sorex action. Um, I saw somebody today, Some like, by now it's been out of, uh, over a week. You guys have already probably seen Sorex if you want to see it. If you haven't, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But one of the most delightful things that somebody pointed out online earlier on was that uh, there was a couple of promotional pictures from Tobin Bell posted and somebody captioned them with like who gave him the right and someone was like one of the most unexpected delights of the new Saw movie is uh, thirst traps for an 80 year old man <laughs> and I was like I mean sure we figured out he looked like a young Will Arnett the other day which is kind of crazy but yeah Sorax, I very much enjoyed it. It's interesting though. No, because not currently. When he was yeah, younger, yeah. he looked yeah, like yeah, Will Arnett. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe Will Arnett will age into him. Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, it was crazy because like everybody was over overwhelmingly positive about Saw X, which is like the tenth movie in the Saw franchise. And then The Exorcist Believer came out this Friday, and everybody's like, "This is the worst movie that's ever been made." <laughs> I want to be very clear. I'm not planning to see The Exorcist Believer, and that's not because of David Gordon Green. I, for the most part, enjoyed his Halloween trilogy. It's just that I've never, ever seen any of the Exorcist sequels uh, because I think the first movie is, like, as perfect as you can get for a horror movie. And it's like, I just don't really want to bother with any anything else, to be uh, honest. No. I'm on the opposite foot. I will not be seeing it. Again, not because of the green dude. I don't really know who he is. <laughs> what, Hulk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but mostly because I think the original Exorcist is endlessly boring. Can we talk Something about... Now? What? Over there. Um, it is a mad career trajectory, just on the subject of David Gordon Green, it is a mad career trajectory that he went from like directing Pineapple Express to Your Highness, which is considered one of the worst comedies of all time, it is. to like now being like some fucking mad horror director who's like resurrecting franchises left, right and centre. Um, we watched, what else did we watch this week? We watched, we watched The Haunted Asia? Mansion, which was... I really liked it. Simon did not. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was like, it's basically a found family film with ghosts. Sold. I think half my problem is I've never been on the Haunted Mansion ride, so no. I, uh, but I don't. I don't necessarily think you have to have been on the Haunted Mansion ride. Um, I didn't. I only watched the Eddie Murphy one about what two years ago for the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's only because I was like, we have to watch it because I really like Haunted Mansion. Um, I thought the Eddie Murphy one was alright. I just. My problem with it is, it's like it's like Disney trying to do horror, and it's like it's just a bit meh. Like, sure. I just didn't think like it took far too long for the hat ghost dude to pop up. 
He, he's like the main villain of the thing. Super early in the film. Yeah, but like for him to really properly pop up and start doing shit. Mm. And I was like, I shouldn't think any of the characters were that interesting. Sure. Which is insane for the cast that they had and the money that they clearly spent on it. I thought it was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it was great. Spoiler alert, it will not be on my top ten of the year. <laughs> um, then we watched Totally Killer on Friday, which was one of the insane amount of films that dropped on Friday. Uh, which I actually enjoyed. Uh, not as much as you, but... I fucking loved it. You really enjoyed it. I did. Uh, the Max Headroom Killer. Yeah. Um, well, literally, I think I enjoyed it irregardless, but A, I really love Killing Chipka. I think she's fucking amazing. And B, there was unexpected Charles Gillespie in it, which I, I, cause I didn't know a lot going into this film, apart from that it would basically being <clears throat> screamed at across the internet for being a rip-off of Final Girls. Mm. Um, Which it really isn't. No, very, very, very different aesthetic overall, in all honesty. It reminded me more of, like, Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I didn't really know anything. So going into it when I was like, holy shit, fucking Charlie Gillespie's in this. I was very happy about that, because I really like him. Uh, And yeah, overall, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it seems to be like a trend of these, like, weird movies. Like, somebody put a thing on Letterboxd, didn't they, about, like... A blonde girl in like a slasher movie that has like some magical supernatural time travel twist. Bonus parents if one uh, like bonus, bonus points, points if one of her parents, parents is dead. dead. I like there's another movie coming out called It's a Wonderful Knife, which is basically It's a Wonderful Life as a slasher movie. And there's another one called Time Cut, which is kind of like another sort of Back to the Future meets Scream type job that Michael Kennedy wrote that freaky, and he obviously wrote It's a Wonderful Knife. I thought this was good. Like for a for a movie that's like on streaming, like I like if this came out of the cinema, I probably wouldn't have gone to see it. But because it was on streaming and, and we were at home on a Friday night, I was like, sure, I'll watch it. And I like I like the basic premise of it. I like the fact that Liana Liberato was in it uh, because I like her. Um, yeah, I thought it was alright. It was a, it was a solid like six out of ten for me. Like I don't think it quite matches the heights of like Happy Death Day or like Freaky for like a similar vibe but i thought it was it was good and then i watched vhs 85 which i did not enjoy um, through. i was really disappointed with it i um i i basically got all the way to the last segment and then turned it off about 10 minutes before i finished because i just couldn't be bothered to watch it anymore um but yeah i it, it's one of those weird things like i posted a thing on our instagram about it and i was like vhs 94 was great we hail Ratmer in this house. I thought 94 was great. I thought 99 was a lot of fun. And the problem with like the VHS movies is they're supposed to be fun. And this one isn't fun. It's just really dark and really like mean-spirited. Like, which is a weird thing to complain about in a horror movie. But like, it also had like really big name directors attached to it. Like fucking David Bruckner, who's coming off of like Hellraiser. Scott Derrickson, who's coming off like The Black Phone. Mm-hmm. And like... um. Gigi Sol Guerrero did a uh, her segments based on an actual earthquake that happened in Mexico that like affected her family, and I was like, I should feel something watching this, but I just was not vibing with it at all. Um, I may give it a rewatch. I don't think it was the worst VHS movie, but I certainly wasn't as into it as I have been the last couple. And I think maybe it's time to give the franchise a break again and kind of come back when they've got something new to do rather than just you know, pumping them out one a year, every year to get some content on Shudder. 
which surprisingly i was looking through shutter the other day shutter has a shit ton of content at the moment like a whole bunch of movies that I, i've never heard of mm. that they were just like here's like fifty thousand hours of content and i'm like some film called the elevator game i saw advertised the other day there's a film called the bad things like i'm like i might have to give a couple of these a watch before i settle down and do my like top 10 of the year and then to cap off our like horror filled weekend i went and got a jason tattoo on saturday uh so i now have ghostface nail man and jason uh on my fucking hell uh <laughs> on my on my arm and um, apologies i was showing him a toe bean meme and um i'll be going back in a couple of weeks to get a billy puppet tattoo started so I am, uh, yeah, if you want to check out a picture of what it looks like, there's pictures on, on my personal Instagram. I will not clog clog up the timeline, the podcast timeline, with pictures of my whiter-than-milk arms. That's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, next week, I think, when we do our episode on Frankenstein, we will probably be dropping our thoughts on the fall of House of Usher as well, because that comes out... So if you're listening to this on Monday, the day this is released, that comes out this Thursday, the 12th of October. So... I imagine we will have time to watch most of it before we, we go to assume. London. Yeah. Before we record. We assume. I don't think I'm doing anything next Saturday. Yeah, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think we can crank out the season. Yeah, before we'll we go be to recording London early, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, usually we record on a Sunday for the episode to go out on Monday, but next Sunday we're, we're in London for the day. So we'll probably record the episode on Saturday. So hopefully if we can get through the fall of House of Usher and not like the Midnight Club, get two episodes in and go, nah, 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 I'm good. Um, we should have some thoughts on that. I do love the fact you very quickly coasted over what we were doing. You're like, yeah, we're going to London for a thing. Yeah. Going to go and see Creeper. No, we're not. We should be. We should be, but we're not because you pussy out getting the tickets. But we are doing. Do you want to tell, tell the lovely horror fans what we're doing? We're going to go and see Darren Chris. There we go. Um, but yeah, so I am in. I am going to enjoy an evening of musical theatre. I am basically going because I want to go to the London Palladium, and because I'm hoping to hear some very Potter musical songs, like that one about the thing and the mm. school on Mars. But you know nothing about ABPM. But it's fine. But you literally said earlier the school was on Mars. Yeah, pick parts. It's on Mars. But it's yeah. not any of the songs. I don't know. God. Anyway, we're not here to talk about any of that. That will be for a future episode. We are here to talk about The Invisible Man from 1933. Yeah, the oldest film we have ever covered. And it's only going to be that way until next week. Mm-hmm. When it gets overtaken by another film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're here to talk about The Invisible Man. We are so indeed. let's crack on. Uh, based on the book by H.G. Wells, obviously, uh, and written by R.C. Sheriff. It's a hell of a name. Uh, directed by James Whale. Hmm, Whale. And casting-wise, we have Claude Rains as Dr. Jack Griffin, a.k.a. The Invisible Man. Gloria Stewart as Flora Cranley. You know who she is, don't you? She's the old lady from the beginning of the Titanic. What, the one who's the old, the old Rose. Rose? Yeah. That's mad. Uh, she you... fucking lived a lot longer than the rest of these motherfuckers then. Yeah. 
Like Claude Rains she died. She was a hundred like, years old when she died. Yeah, Claude Rains died in like nineteen sixty seven. James Well died in like nineteen fifty seven of suicide. He drowned himself in a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, she fucking outlived all these motherfuckers. But I think she's a little bit younger than the rest of them, though, right? Because if if Titanic came out in ninety seven and they filmed it from like ninety five to ninety six ish. Yeah, she was born in nineteen ten. Fucking hell. Yeah, so she would have died in what? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah. yeah, fucking hell. Uh, we've got William Harrigan as Dr. Arthur Kemp, Henry Travers as Dr. Cranley, Una O'Connor as Jenny Hall, Forrester Harvey as Herbert Hall, Holmes Herbert, <laughs> fucking name, as the Chief of Police, E.E. E. Clive as Constable Jaffers, Dudley Diggers as the Chief Detective, uh, Harry Stubbs as Inspector Bird, and then Donald Stewart as Inspector Lane, and uh, Mel Tottenham as Millie. And then, in all honesty, I'm not going through all of the other random police officers who appear in in this film because there's a lot of them. Um, plot line wise, a scientist finds a way of becoming invisible, but in doing so, he becomes murderously insane. Well, yeah, that, that's that's the plot of this. There we go. Based very loosely on the book by H.G. Wells. Uh, not that loose. It's one of the closest adaptations of all of the Universal movies. Because H.G. Wells had the last say on the scripting for it. I'm not shocked. It's, do you know what's really mad when I was like looking at this? Because I was like, it's weird that James Whale directed Frankenstein two years before this, mm-hmm. which is by obviously by Mary Shelley, who's credited as being the mother of like science fiction from authoring that book she died 11 no 15 years before hg wells was born yet hg wells is credited as being the father of sci-fi which i don't really understand although it is impossible to argue both of their like influences on the genre and i mean we'll talk about mary a lot more in detail next week Mm -hmm. but you've never read any hg wells have you nope but you are aware of like his work. Oh right? yeah, like I, I feel like you have to be born like under a rock to not know of H.G. Wells. Mm. He 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 very much he very much. I don't think he. Um, I mean, he obviously was because a lot of his work is sci-fi. But I think he was the uh, the father of the fafo genre. Mm, pretty much. Yeah, he's like he very much invented like fuck around and find out. Yeah, Island of Doctor Moreau, mm. Time Machine, mm-hmm. this. The Shape of Things to Come. Not so much War of the Worlds, because we didn't really fuck around there. But we just found we, out. We certainly found out. Um, and I still think that's one of the greatest hoaxes that, that has ever been played on the world, is the fucking the radio, fake radio show, show yeah. which is fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, like his work is spectacular, and he's British as well, which I think is another win for our country mm-hmm. in a... In a generation that where our country is slowly running out of winds um we we can claim both him and mary shelley which is fucking great that is pretty cool but yeah i i was because it's not it's been a while since i've read the invisible man because i I read it when i was younger and i was under the impression that he was a slightly different character in the book i think he's he's like as murderous oh no he is like that's because that's one of the big plot points Mm. is that the the potion he takes or the injections he gives himself turn him insane mm. 
So I think I'm pretty sure he's just as murderous. But yeah, there was very little changes made because um, H.G. Wells basically had last say on whether or not he was happy with the script. What a guy. Which I love. Um, but yeah, and this is a weird film in which... So we have... Um, I can't remember who plays Invisible Man. Claude Rains. Claude Rains. This was like the second film he ever did. The only film he did before this was a silent movie, mm-hmm. and he was more well known for being a stage actor. Yeah. Uh, originally, they wanted Boris Karloff to play I mean, that the Invisible sense. Man. Uh, the general consensus that seems to be online of like, oh well, he just he turned it down. Uh, no, him and Whale had a massive falling out because Whale uh, thought his voice was irritating and didn't like his lisp. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is and... mad because they then worked together two years later when they did Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, and then he, Whale was the one who picked um, Claude Rains. Claude Rains. Who I'm almost positive. The Invisible Man. Uh, Christopher Eccleston's character in Heroes is named after. Maybe. Or has a similar name to him. I is inspired don't by remember. Him. I don't remember. Lee has yeah. just now r- realised that Christopher Eccleston was actually in Heroes. Yeah, I didn't know he was in Heroes. I'm not gonna lie he to pops you. up in the second season, I think. I don't know if I ever made it through to the end of the second season of Heroes. The second season's the one where they, the writer's strike happened and they like fuck off to Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, and, like, I didn't Peter, finish season two. Peter's in Ireland doing weird stuff. Season one was great. Season two was passable at best. Um, but yeah, so that's just a bit of fun, fun trivia for you. Yeah, I mean, James Whale was a bit of an interesting cat because he, like, directed Frankenstein, which was obviously quite a large hit for um, Universal, which we're going to talk about more next week. But he then obviously does another film in between, which is like another comedy horror called, like, Our House in the Dark or something, or Our Dark House. And then he comes back comes to do this, does this, and then does Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of his career was marred by like homophobia and uh, all this sort of stuff. And then he eventually got had a stroke which take uh, took a considerable toll on his life. And then he um, yeah ended his life by drowning in a swimming pool, um, which is kind of really sad when you oh. think about it. But... It's really interesting that the two Universal Monsters projects that he got to direct are the... Well, the characters that he got to work with are obviously Frankenstein and then the Invisible Man because there is kind of like a weird connective tissue between them of like the this idea of like a mad scientist playing God and kind of creating a monster uh, in a weird kind of way. Both of them. Yeah. Although I kind of feel like, in a weird way, the Invisible Man story is closer to that of Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I was going to say, it's much more of a Jekyll and Hyde which is a story. Robert Louis Stevenson. It is Robert Louis Stevenson. Is he the... Am I right in saying this? Treasure Island. Is he the mother... He, that motherfucker wrote Treasure Island and... Josh Allen, Mr. Hyde, yeah. What a guy. I've never read either of them. But uh, like... Josh Allen, Mr. Hyde is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this the other day, because we were talking about was the... Um, this this month, obviously, mo- a good chunk of these are based on books. Yes. Uh, I've only read one of the books for this, this month. Opera, right? I've read Phantom. It's been a very long time. I am going to try and reread it mm. uh, before we do the episode, just so it's fresh in my brain. But yeah, it's weird that I've never read The Invisible Man, because it's very much something that I would have read. 
Yeah. And I don't know why I never around to it. See, it's always remarkable to me that, like, especially when, like, so we're going back 20-odd years, because I left school over 20 years ago. It's remarkable to me that when they look at, like, works of literature in school, that you obviously have to, like, learn about fucking Dickens and Shakespeare mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But, like, no one... E- and, and, like, I learned about Roald Dahl novels and stuff when I was a kid. But no one ever sits there and goes, man, we should learn about H.G. Wells or we should learn about, like, Mary Shelley or, like... Yeah, you look at, like, what you get taught in school. And, like, I remember doing uh, Dickens, obviously. Mm. I did Shakespeare. And then I was like, that part... We, we covered Holes, which is a weird book, I guess. Is that the one cover. that turned into a Disney film? It is, indeed. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Shia LaBeouf. Shiny Beef and Scotty Weaver. Uh, we covered that, and then like when I went to college, my first year, we covered like uh, the Lovely Bones mm-hmm. and History Boys, and uh, oh my god, what's it called? Uh, Lipstick and Kalashnikovs, I think it's called. It's a series of essays, mm. and we did poetry, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, like none of this stuff is covered, which is really weird because it is all classic literature. And the thing is, as well, like I feel like especially with today's generation, because like. There is, like, a 20-year gap between me leaving school and, like, the generation that we are in now. And you think about how you could re- relate, like, a story, like, say, Dorian Gray mm-hmm. by... Who the fuck ever wrote that? I can't remember. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> you, know, you, talk, you talk about, like... You, you, try and, you try and feed that work of literature through the prism of, like, TikTok influencers and stuff now and, like, this idea of, like, perfection and staying young and things like that. And... Especially Wells's work. A lot of the stuff that Wells was talking about is like fucking shit that we're doing now. It's funny like... you mention though, uh, like Dorian Gray, like through a modern filter. Especially with me buying the modernization of the book literally yesterday, mm. because every exquisite thing is based on the yeah. portrait of Dorian Gray. Yeah, but like you think about, especially like Wells's work, especially like what we're going to talk about today. You think about like you know, I don't know if there is like an application. To like try and like invent invisibility or things like that, there must be something that they're doing. But like you look at his works, like the Island of Doctor Moreau, where mm-hmm. it's like people experimenting on animals and like trying to create human animal hybrids. Like you think about the things that we've done in the last thirty years with like putting human ears on rabbits and like trying to clone sheep and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and you know, how far we've come, especially in this year, with, like, about the apparent existence of fucking aliens and stuff as well. And you just sit there and go, this motherfucker was talking about this shit, like, a hundred years ago. Like, what the fuck? Like, over a hundred years ago. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know, how how is it that all of the stuff that he was predicting, essentially, is now coming to pass? And it's the same as, like, with Mary Shelley. But again, we'll we'll talk about her a lot more next week. So, I think... Like, The Invisible Man is one of those things where, like, it's such an interesting concept and it's such an interesting idea. And especially for, like, a character who is villainous. Because, as I said to you when we were watching it, like, he's obviously been driven mad. Like, the thing is, you don't get a sense of... The only thing that you don't really get from this movie is you don't get the sense of the kind of person that Jack Griffin was prior to him becoming invisible. No. You just see him kind of in the early stages of, like, madness. So he comes across as, like, narcissistic and arrogant from the get-go. But you have no indication of, like, if that's due to the serum or if that's kind of the person he was and whatever he took has heightened that. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting because it never gives you a sense of, like, 
oh my God, we should feel sorry for this guy. Look what he's done to himself. Look at what this has driven him to in the search of like a technological breakthrough. Or if you're like, holy fuck, this man was already dangerous and now he's even more dangerous. Because as I said to you, like he, he went in one of his outbursts, he's like, oh, you know, I'm invisible. Like imagine me going out and having the ability to like rob, rape and kill. And I'm like... Why is it the minute any fucking... I feel like part of that, though, is the serum talking. Yeah. Because it does, like, they do make it clear that it's driven him insane. Yeah. Um, but you are right. It seems to be anything where people turn invisible. They're like, yeah, it was rob, rape, and murder. And what you were like, I'd just go watch movies for free. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just go to, like, gigs for free and, like, ride roller coasters for free and shit. I had I had alternate plans to that, which mostly consisted of uh, robbing the, the 2% or whatever it is. But... Yeah. <laughs> I just do really like fun stuff. Do you remember that brief period of time when we were all like, let's put Bezos in a guillotine? Yeah. Do you know what? If you were invisible, like, this is, and this is going to sound like such a niche thing because I don't know how many countries in the world have these, like, on their streets. But you know, like, when you see, you know, like, the living statues and you mm. see the ones where they're, like, a- a- allegedly floating? Mm. That's what I think I would do. I think I would just make a career being, like, a living statue if I was invisible. But, like, doing really, like, weird stuff, like, standing on a box and elevating myself and making it look like I could, like, fly or whatever. Or I'd do I do really, like, weird street art, I think, if I became, like, invisible. Because why, why wouldn't you? I think it would just be hilarious. Or I'd just go and haunt somewhere. I'd just go and sit in a theatre and just heckle people, like, as an invisible, like, person. Because... <laughs> I see, but that I think that's just me as a person. I'm like, if I was invisible, I'd just do really boring stuff. That's fair. But what? So, well, let's get into like the actual film. What did you? Obviously, we did Black Black Lagoon creature from the last week. Mm. What did you think of the Invisible Man? I enjoyed it. It was far funnier than I was anticipating it being. It got really silly at points. Yeah, when he's doing the fucking chaplain walk and he's singing the song. As yeah. He's, like, he's just a pair of trousers chasing the yeah, woman. Yeah, chasing the woman down the street. Fucking, oh my God. Uh, Uma O'Connor. Una O'Connor. The woman who plays the bar. The bar. My the landlady. God, is delightful. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, I think it was just a really funny film. It has... Holds the record for one of the highest uh, body counts on the kill count. Because hmm. uh, he kills 122 people in this. Amazing. Because they mention he kills 100 people on the train, 20 people that were like in the search party for him. He killed the copper, and I'm pretty sure he kills someone else as well. Because that, like I said to you though, didn't I, when we were watching this, I was like, he literally hits he the copper. Kemp. Yeah, but he hadn't killed Kemp by that point when they'd given like the body count numbers. So I think there was somebody else before that. But yeah, he does kill Kemp. You are right. But like he um he hits the policeman with a really flimsy looking bar stool once and kills him. And I was like, people in this fucking generation were not like built to last, were they? No, they weren't. One hundred and twenty two. Yeah, there you go. So four murders depicted directly on screen. Eighteen search party members are off screen. The derailment of the train, which results in one hundred deaths to- in total, and Doctor Griffith. Just Dr. Griffin kills 122 people before he is killed. Yeah. There you go. He goes fucking batshit. He is ham, man. And it's like there's no need for it either. Like, it, like the whole train thing is so random. Because, like, you're not even aware of the fact that there's anybody on the train that's, like, slighted him. He mm. just decides to derail a train. 
for like no reason. And it's the weird, it's the weirdest thing. Um, one thing I will say about this movie is outside of it being superbly acted, like Claude Rains is doing really fucking good shit in this movie. Yeah. Considering he has to like act under bandages, my man's doing some really fucking good shit in this. And like, he's really like, um, he's really good at emoting under bandages like, through the use of, like, his voice and his body language, which I think is really, really fucking cool. Like, the fact that he, like, manages to, like, have these, um, like, outbursts, but you know exactly how he feels, even though half the time you either can't see him because he's physically not there, he's just clothes or whatever, or he's, like, acting under a face full of bandages. So I think, first and foremost, he does really good work in this he does indeed but i think also given the fact that this movie was made in 1933 or was released in 1933 this movie is 90 years old this year the special effects are fucking amazing like how they depict him being invisible with like just clothes or whatever so you can't see the head or the arms or whatever is really interesting and, like, I don't really know how they did it at uh, the time, but it's fascinating. Black Velvet. In the warm, in the warm summer sky. No, so they dressed him in that police song, Black right? Velvet, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then put him against a black velvet screen. That's fucking smart. That's yeah. really clever. Um, thanks. Thanks for that, IMDb. Yeah, but that is, that is like, seriously clever, though, because... And, like, even there's the scene where he's in Kemp's house and he pulls up the rocking chair and he starts loading the logs onto the fire. And, like, I was looking and I was like, yeah, I can't see any wire work. Like, I can't see any strings or anything. No, they so, like, obviously was, but yeah, they, they, they do a really good job of, like, hiding them. And, like, when he's, like, driving the car and stuff as well, mm. it's, like, obvi- obviously the actor is actually there. But, like, it's such... It sounds weird to say now, like, in the fucking CGI blockbuster generation that we live in. But at the time, like, it's such sophisticated special effects. And it looks so good. And, like, we've already referenced it. But the scene where he's chasing the woman down the street and it's just a pair of trousers. Yeah, it's so funny. fucking great. Like, it's so clever. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I will give this film A. It's aged up really well. And the effects stand really well. Uh, But also, like, even the comedy in it. Yeah. Like, the opening gag with the fucking self-playing piano mm. is fucking hilarious. And proper, like, it just made me chuckle. Because I was like, it's the kind of joke you could put in a film now, and it'd still be funny. Yeah. One of the things that I love about The Invisible Man, because he's, like, Loki, one of my favourite horror characters. I think not only does he look iconic when he's got, the like, the smoking robe on and mm. the bandages and stuff, but I think... It's like they he the way that Claude Rains plays him is like one minute he's being like really dangerous and really sinister, and then the next minute he's just like out in the street chucking money about being yeah. like a really silly guy. <laughs> it's just like the way that he plays him between like this really like sinister evil guy who's like I'm just gonna murk everybody, and then this like really silly Buster Keaton like Charlie Chaplin esque goof guy is so funny 
And that scene where he's like throwing, uh, like that scene in the bank is actually really funny. Like when the, he just takes the bank drawer out and he's it just floats the out bank. the door. Like not a single fucking person. <laughs> no like everybody's like, there's an invisible man on the run. Like he's out there killing people. And then this whole thing is like, do, do, do. You just kind of expect that music to like be fucking yeah, playing. Yeah. And it's like, the way that the way that they do that and the way that they make him like switch is really really well done and i still don't know if even like watching this movie like all these years later whether you are supposed to root for or against him i was like the movie never really forces you to pick a side because of, because of the way that he plays the character, you're like, I should hate this guy. Like, I should hate him because he's a fucking criminal and he's going to murder a bunch of people. But at the same time, like, he's just a silly little guy, isn't he? <laughs> so He's a normal single man. Um, Do you know what? I will say one thing for all of all of these films that we've watched so far. I don't know about the reform we're going forward, but I feel like very similar. Don't fuck around. There's no, like, here is 20 minutes of preamble while we explain, like, the original story of this character and how we've got to... They literally... They started, like, yeah, he's invisible. Why yeah. is he invisible? Oh, he did an injection thing with some tincture, like, every day for a month. Why? Don't matter. Science. Yeah. yeah. And, like, could you imagine them making that film, like, that exact film now? Mm. We would have, like, a half an hour opener where it's all, like... Him and the girlfriend Flora being all happy, and him doing like his little experiments and doing the injections every day. Mm-hmm. Well, to your point, I will say, and I will bring it up again later on. The remake of it doesn't do that. The remake just drops you straight in as well. What the one from the nineties? No, the one from like three years ago. That, it's not. It's not a true adaptation of this, though. I have very strong feelings about that film. It is, and it isn't. I will not watch it. Like. He's still a griffin, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, but they don't. They then go back and do the whole like, and this is how it happened. Though, um, we'll talk about it later because, like, we, we... we won't because I have zero interest in discussing that film at all. But ba- basically, they explain that it's a suit, but you never see him making the suit. You never see like what that life was like. I mean, to be fair, that film's like fucking two and a half hours long anyway. Yeah, it didn't need any extra padding, did it? But. That's one thing that I will say when they did the modern version of it. But you just know went, full well if that was in anyone mm. else's hands, they were making a true adaptation of this film. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Well, this is this... that's the point I'm making. Yeah. I'm not saying the adaptation we had. I'm saying if they made a true adaptation of this mm. exact film, we would get it'd get doubled in length. Well, that was the fascinating thing, like because I was going to bring up the Dark Universe version because that's what I was going to say was when they did the Dark Universe because obviously they pivoted from. Johnny Depp's going to play him. He's going to be part of this dark universe to scrapping that and then obviously doing the Oliver Jackson Cohen version. I don't know what version they were going to do with Johnny Depp mm. because The Mummy wasn't a like true mummy film. So I would have been fascinated to know what route they were going to go with like the Johnny Depp version, whether he was going to be like the iconic bandaged man in the smoking jacket who's been turned mad by science or whether it was going to be like a more modern... You know, he was trying to cure cancer or some fucking mm. bullshit sort of thing. And he got fu- like a Hulk sort of situation. He yeah. got fucked up by like radiation or something. But they never got as far as script in it. So we, we have no idea what the story was going to be. But I'd have been fascinated to know what that would have looked like before mm. they pivoted to Lee Wanell's version. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know. Invisible Man's one of those characters. I feel like he could see some 
there has not been a lot of Invisible Man movies. They in Hammer never got their hands on him either. Mm-hmm. So he's not one of the Universal monsters that went over to become a Hammer mm-hmm. horror monster. Uh, there's only really what, like four Invisible Man movies. Yeah. So and then plus his appearance in the US Journey Gentleman, which. So there's Invisible Man Returns, the Revenge of the Invisible Man. Then there's like technically an Invisible franchise. So they have the Invisible Woman. There's the invis- oh, never mind. Ignore what yeah. I just said then, because I'm full of bullshit. But, but no, they're not all connected. So okay. they they kind of Invisible Man Returns and the Revenge of are like relatives or like people that worked with his family. Yeah, no, but, like, I know. But what I meant connected. was what I was trying to say is they're like unlike Frankenstein, we had Frankenstein, yeah, 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 yeah. Frankenstein's brother, yeah. Frankenstein, Frankenstein means yeah. blah blah blah, Frankenstein means that. But I was I was incorrect in in that fact then. No, because like they just did a bunch of like invisible people. Films, well, yeah, but there was still connected. a whole franchise yeah, of it. Yeah, was and what then, I was saying, and I didn't. I thought there was literally like maybe four Invisible Man movies. I think Hollow Man's kind of classed as like a loose remake of it as well with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. But yeah, like it's it's fascinating though that you say that he never went over to Hammer Horror because Hammer did Dracula, didn't they? Dracula, Frankenstein. Did they do a Wolfman movie? Wolfman. I think it's only him and Creature. Yeah, that makes sense. Didn't go over to Hammer. That's mad though. Because mm. I thought, like, aren't Frankenstein, I don't know if they were at the time, but aren't Frankenstein and Dracula like public domain? So but, Hammer wouldn't have had to have bought the rights, surely, unless that changed in the time period when it was made. But I don't know if this would have been yeah true because when the, the hammer stuff came out like the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. or 60s and 70s so it's like a good 30 I mean, years it, after it could have been fully well that they were public domain yeah. and just hammer never used them because they were like nah I don't, not interested in that well fascinating that is fascinating though that they never no there's no invisible man hammer horror movie huh because in um because I haven't seen this movie in a long ass time, and I'll probably never rewatch it. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Isn't isn't he like Griffin in that as well? Uh, he's a con man. Okay. Who accidentally ended up with the Invisible Man power, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and he's working with Dorian Gray. I think is revealed. Yeah, he's point. like a grifter, isn't he? Yeah, because he's the one who steals the uh, hide. Yeah. Uh, serum from Jekyll and Hyde. Because isn't it that him and Dorian Gray end up working with Moriarty? They are the working for Moriarty, villain. yeah. Who's the... Well, no. Griffin is working for Dorian. Dorian is working for Moriarty. Yeah. But I don't know if Griffin then in turn knows that he's working for Moriarty. I don't know. But yeah, because I remember him being... I remember the guy who plays him having a very bad accent. He's like, All right, what? Gav. All right. You oh, got... Pulls and pads. Your regular John Cena's turned up because you can't see me, bruv. I'm in an invisible man. And it's just fucking dreadful. Um, Like all the depictions of all the characters are in that film. Uh, Except Captain Nemo. Captain Nemo's. I remember Captain Nemo being alright. I'm trying to think who plays him, actually. um... Because Jason Fleming plays Hyde. I know that much. Uh, Rodney Skinner. It's Tony Curran. Who plays him? He's called Rodney Skinner in it. Can't even get his fucking name right. Well, he's not. He's not the man yeah. who created the. Yeah, he's just invisibility potion. He's just a he's a dickhead. Fucking hell! Because I forgot. I always forget. Fucking Richard Roxbury plays Moriarty in it, and fucking Shane West is Tom Sawyer. Ah, oh, Richard Roxbury, the guy who played he's played Elvis's dad in the the Elvis movie. 
yes. I want to say yes. I think you're correct. The one that Lemon did. Yeah, he is. Because uh, he's in a bunch of stuff. Isn't he? Dra- isn't he Dracula? The guy who in Van Helsing. And that is the movie. Like that is the movie I'm thinking of, where they have the baby Dracula bite fucking cocoons. Yeah. Oh, that movie fucking sucks. Did we not cover that? Yeah, and it still fucking sucks. I think we covered it earlier. This year, maybe? Maybe. Or maybe last year? I can't remember. Potentially last year, we've, I can't we've, remember. We've, we've definitely covered it. Yeah. So what do you think about the Invisible Man as a character? Do you think he is a villain or do you think he's not a villain? Like, how do you see him I based think on what it's, happens to him? I think it's consistently dependent on the portrayal. Mm. Um, I think there's been so many different ways of putting him forward. Because in the TV show, he's much more like... You just looked at me like, what? What TV the show? The Invisible Man TV show. What the fuck? He's not a villain in that. He's kind of much more of a all-round good dude. What fucking TV show? There was a man. The TV show. Oh, my God. Uh, is this one of them like, British TV shows? Um, like fucking Jekyll with James Nesbitt. Is it Jekyll with James Nesbitt? Is it James Nesbitt or is it the other guy? series. It's American. It's not British. Not... Um... Folks, I've just yeah. learned something new. I did not know. Do you want to know who thing. plays? Do you want to know who plays the Invisible Man? And this is really on, on on brand because I feel like we spoke about him quite a lot recently. Oh, mate! Fucking David McCallum. R.I.P. My dude. R.I.P. Yeah, it was like in the seventies. But they've been pretty sure there was another one in like the nineties or two thousands. When they were like reinventing everything, they did a Bionic Woman TV show in the two thousands with Michelle Ryan in it. I think it is the chick from fucking. Uh, yes, there was there was an online series as well in two thousand in the two thousand, ran for two seasons. Okay, was it Griffin? Was it the same character or was uh, it... Darian Fawkes? Oh fucking hell! I don't know what the difference was. Petty thief and con man who's bailed out of jail so... in return for going. Undergoing an experiment. I do wonder then if maybe the rights to the character, like the actual Invisible Man name and like are free use, but the actual character of Griffin isn't. Maybe. Because in like the Lee Wan L version, he's called Adrian Griffin. Yeah, because in the David McCallum series, he's called Daniel Weston. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe there's something. With the character of, like, Jack Griffin that they can't use. Maybe. Because I like Maybe. like I like the fact in the Lee Wan L version he has the same surname, but he's obviously not a relation of him or, like, he's not, they're not connected. Hmm. But they kept that as the, like, loose tie. Um, but, yeah, it's in the TV show. I think in both TV shows he's a much more, like, likeable character. The 75 one he yeah. definitely is, like, a much more likeable character and less of a villain but i do feel like in this he's supposed to be the villain like you're not supposed to root for him yeah and it's a lot easier to not root for him in this because the general rest of the cast are not as dickish as they were in creature Mm. so i think also like obviously one of the john carpenter movies we haven't watched is memoirs of an invisible man where they do a spoof version of it and it's chevy chase playing him and it's more of like a comedic like naked gun type situation Mm. where he's like on the run and they're trying to get the serum out of him so he's not really a villain he's just like a bumbling guy in that whereas i think obviously with hollow man which is the unofficial remake with kevin bacon he was more of a 
he was a prick before he became invisible, so he becomes more of a prick. Same as with like the Lee Wanell version. We already know he was a nasty person before he became invisible, and that's where the horror from those films comes from, is that you already know these people are doing despicable things before they become invisible. Yeah. Whereas with this one, it's that ambiguity of like, if they could save him, if they could turn him back to normal... Like, would he not be as mad? Would he go back to being, like, a nice, caring person? Like, what kind of person was it? I don't think you're supposed to ask any of those questions, though, yeah. in all honesty. But, like, those are questions you kind of have to ask. When you're when you're asked to root for or against someone, you kind of have to know the strength of the character that you're, like, being asked to root for or against. Sure. Um, and, you know, I don't know, man. I think he. I think he's a fascinating character, I'd be fa- I, I I would be fascinated to know what they were going to do with him in the dark universe mm. because of the way they were setting that whole thing up. But yeah, it's an interesting premise. But like, obviously, as a horror movie, what do you feel about? Again, I feel like it's one of those weird ones of like, I don't think it's scary, but I feel like back when it was made, it was probably quite terrifying. Mm. Because I think the idea, I think the idea of someone being invisible and having potentially like homicidal urges is quite oh, a terrifying yeah. thought. Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But I feel like the film's just not scary. Yeah. And... But again, I'm watching a film from fucking ninety years ago. Mm. And I think also it's a tonal thing as well because they make him threatening, but they make him threatening in small doses. And then they'll have him do something slapsticky. Yeah, like it's kind of an uneven film Mm. in that sense. Like you never, other than the scene where he breaks into Kemp's house, you never, they never go for like paranoia with it. Like they mention a couple of times when they're talking about him, oh, he could be in the room next to us. But then they never kind of linger on it enough to make, to set that tension or that unease in that he actually could be in the room and he actually could strike at any moment, which I think is kind of a missed opportunity and I think that's why the premise of an invisible man with homicide lurges is terrifying but they never quite strike that balance of making the film a full horror film mm. um but yeah I think it's a good film I think it's held up incredibly well mm. like for a 90 year old film I was like really well paced really well acted mm. and like the fucking special effects are remarkable um, and I can't really say anything else other than that. No, it's a really good film overall. What do you think, though, that some of the like, and I think this is just the bit players. Like, I think some of the acting from the mob or like the the townsfolk is a bit Coronation Streety. Yeah, it's a bit all like, oh blimey, governor, there's an invisible man up them stairs. It's a bit, it's a bit weird. It is. But I think that's the only real criticism I have of it. Is like, it's a bit. But then, as we said, it's a film from 90 fucking years ago. Like, you know, what do you expect? Mm. Um, so, yeah, what would be your final thoughts on The Invisible Man and your score? Uh, overall, I think it's a really enjoyable film. Uh, you kind of forget how old it is watching it because mm-hmm. of how well stuff still holds up, weirdly enough. Not something I thought I was going to say. Uh, it's my favourite we've watched so far. I much preferred this to Black Lagoon. Okay. Uh, and I would give it a uh, four... Nice. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, yeah, it is. It is kind of like like you said. It is kind of weird to think that this is a film from the thirties because they were still making black and white movies up until like the end of the sixties, early seventies. Like this could have been made 
30 years later and you wouldn't really know. Oh. If you didn't know it was made in 1933, like you would have no frame of reference and you would have no reason to question it. But yeah, I think it I think it holds up incredibly well. Like I think there's a reason why these characters are iconic and I think there's a reason why the invisible man as a character has like held onto that legacy for so long. And I think it's part of the reason why the remake works so well. Because at the core of it, the idea of it is really fucking scary. And it's really like, holy shit, like, what would happen? And I think, you know, the way that Wells wrote the book and then the book is adapted into the film, I think, is, you know, very telling of that sort of, um, you know, where we are now as a society and where we were back then. And, like, the fears now that we have are very different to the fears that people had back then. Mm. But it's a universal thing that, no pun intended, that obviously spans generations and you can fit that character into any time period um, and still have it work. I am fucking fascinated about that TV show, though, with mm. the, the one from, like, the 2000s or whatever that you said. Mm. I am uh, going to go and fucking look that up on YouTube later. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I kind of agree with you. I would give it a four out of five. I think... If they'd toned down maybe some of the slapstick stuff, um, then it would have been a full five. But again, it's the tone of the time. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode when we're going to be looking at Frankenstein. Uh, that's some film I've been wanting to cover for a very, very long time. And there's got, not going to be a Kenneth Branagh in sight, which is lovely. Um, I'm going to sit quietly in the corner and just let you run the episode. I'm not going to get a word in edgewise. The minute you start talking about Mary Shelley, I'm not going to get a word in edgewise. Is it because we're involved? It is because you're involved. Um, but yeah, stick with us because we have a very special episode coming for you this Friday, which I'm not going to tell you about. You'll just have to wait for it to drop on Friday morning and we will see you then for wait, that. what? I will fill you in in a minute. I don't even know what this episode is. Wait, what? Yeah, I'll fill you. We're in. doing an episode. But I'll fill I'll fill you in in a minute. Um, so yeah, stick around, keep your peepers on the social medias, and we'll be dropping another new special episode for you guys on so Friday. Confused. We will be back with our proper regularly scheduled program. Regularly. Regularly scheduled programming next Monday when we will be looking at James Whale's other big Universal horror movie. Frankenstein from 1931 uh, and then next Friday we will be back um, on the 20th with Across the Stream on Beyond the Gates as always guys thank you so much for your continued support we love you guys um, we hope you're all having a wonderful October uh, it is unseasonably warm here in the UK fucking so hot so it's a bit also a bit... I just want you all to be very pleased that there's no yawning or whinging for me this episode because I am knackered and in quite a bit of pain <laughs> um, so yeah Thank you, as always, guys. Come find us on uh, X slash Twitter on so on S I M A H F Pod. So I'm married a horror fan, all lowercase on Tumblr and Instagram. And uh, yeah, we will see you in the next episode. As always, guys, stay spooky, stay safe, take care. Goodbye. Bye.